Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. All right, everybody, we have some very special guests with us today. Uh, we've got the guys from the hunting public. Uh, we've got Aaron, Zach, and Jake. These guys are just wrapping up their epic turkey tour. I don't even know how many days. You guys started several weeks ago, probably going on at least 50 days in the woods nonstop. So, I don't even know if we know what year it is anymore. <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame you, man. That's, I mean, we'll probably talk about that too, man. That's uh, got to be an insane grind. But I tell you what, man, I mean, I've been following along. Awesome stuff. Awesome work. I mean, you guys have really documented a very comprehensive turkey season. And uh, I think we're going to talk about, you know, you guys and the project and what you have going on and, and maybe even some stuff down the road. But, uh, yeah, I mean, first, let's, uh, let's do some intros here. And I guess we'll start maybe counterclockwise with you, Aaron. And if you could share with our listeners, you know, kind of who you are and what you're about and your background and kind of maybe a little bit of the history of, of where uh, everything started and how it got to here today. Before we dive in there real quick, too, if you're not familiar with The Hunting Public, this can all be found on YouTube, right? The Hunting Public. Yeah, YouTube and Instagram channel. and Facebook. Instagram and Facebook, too. And Amazon. Cool. All right. So. Check it out there. Anyway, proceed with the intros. Yeah, I'm. Uh, mine will be pretty short. I'm a redneck dude from Missouri that just grew up hunting and uh, basically found out that the only thing I was ever good at was uh, blowing turkey calls and filming hunts. So <laughs> I just decided to try to make that a career when I was like 12, 13 years old and just slowly built towards that you know, through college and everything and learned more and more about it as I went to school and uh, eventually got into the outdoor industry when I was about 19 or 20 years old filming freelance for companies like Night and Hail and just progressed from there. Eventually uh, ended up working at Midwest Whitetail for a while and uh, now started our own brand in the hunting public and just moving on from there. But yeah, I'm a small town redneck guy. My, uh, I'm from Paris, Missouri. It's like 950 people there. It's a little bitty, tiny, and I'm related to about 50% of them. So. <laughs> That's awesome. There's tons of that calling of yours on uh, on the channel throughout the the whole uh, the whole series. Yeah, I probably call too much. <laughs> Sweet talking. It's yeah. it's good to listen to. It's it's always fun listening to somebody who knows what they're doing when they call. Yeah, everybody's good at something. You know, I couldn't be good at throwing a football or anything <laughs> like that. So. <laughs> That was the that was the one thing that just annoyed the crap out of everybody when I was growing up. <laughs> you know, I was blowing turkey calls in school and got kicked out of algebra a few times, but yeah. I've reaped the benefits of Aaron's turkey calling a few times this year. Pretty thankful for it. <laughs> I don't even really have to take mine out when I'm with him, so that's pretty nice. Got a pretty mean coyote call, too. Coyote. Yeah, I don't know when I started doing that. I, I was just bored in the backyard one day, and I heard some of them howling, so I just <laughs> said, ah, maybe I can do that. I had to do it in the library for some librarians in Mississippi on our yeah. first trip. <laughs> or Alabama. in Alabama, that's right. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like it hurts to me when he does it. I don't think I, I can. can't do it very many times in a row because I, yeah, I almost pass out because <laughs> it takes so much air. But. If you guys watch closely too, he has like a little jump that he'll do with it. Yeah. It's kind of a small prance, almost like a coyote prance. It's pretty funny. Yeah, you got to get into full character mode, dude. It worked the other night and the coyote howled right back. Yeah, and they gobbled. A lot of times that they don't gobble at just the coyote howl, you know, but you do get other coyotes. And that's why I do that owl scream, too, 
is because that attracts owls. So if you do that owl scream, and all of a sudden you'll see an owl pitch up in a tree close to you, and they'll start hooting, and then turkeys will start gobbling. And you're not necessarily trying to get them to gobble from you, but just get one to sound off close enough to them to get them to shock gobble, basically. Yeah. Those turkeys just gobble at like big noises. Yeah, time. The other day they were gobbling at uh, the noon bell over in Wazika. One I killed was a shed door slamming. Shots. Other people, you know, other people shooting a lot of times. Eric made one sound off the other day from his gunshot. Yeah. (laughs) We we were joking the other day that uh, if we can't get him to gobble any other way, maybe we just need to start carrying around target loads. (laughs) Half dozen target loads, and if all else fails, just give a little desk pop. Yeah. (laughs) It is funny, man. The the stuff that'll make them fire up even when they've been quiet for a long time you know something random happens and it just trips their trigger and off they go and then off you go so well up next we've got eric barber recent oh yeah eric you haven't been on the podcast yet. no first time eric works here yes so yep recent addition to vortex in the social media department we also recently stole him from the wisconsin dnr but he's been a great addition here and then actually eric i mean you've got some history with, yeah. with these guys as well yeah, I actually, similar to, well, I guess similar to everyone, well, Aaron, Jake, and Zach all kind of started working together. That's how I got my start in the outdoor industry. And uh, it's just kind of gone on from there. And, you know, now I'm here at Vortex, and it's really just kind of interesting to see everything kind of come full circle and be sitting at a table with you guys. So, I mean, we just, Mark and I spent the last couple of days hunting with them, and yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's been a really cool ride, and had some really fun hunting the last few days, so. Yeah, man. I hired you as just a little whippersnapper yeah. a few yep. years ago over at <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Look at him now. Yeah. <laughs> Look at him now. <laughs> well, I'm Zach. I like uh, hunting a lot and fishing. <laughs> and I don't really want to do much else. Uh, I'm Mark, but... and I also like to hunt and fish. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> <I>, Mark. <laughs> I'm from Ohio living in iowa now i guess started just like filming hunts when i was a kid with some buddies you know or when i was in high school and then always just had the dream of like someday doing what we're doing didn't really know how to get there but just kept trying eventually got an internship with aaron and eric working at midwest whitetail so i got to run around and film them and eventually got hired on full-time there and then now we're doing this and i'm really enjoying this This is pretty much the thing that I always dreamed of doing. Pretty excited about it. Having a lot of fun. Sweet. Yeah. I'm Jake. I also like to hunt. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I grew up actually in in, uh, Wisconsin, in the Fond du Lac area, Rosendale. And then I went off to college for egg business and worked doing that for a couple years and decided that the busiest time of year for agriculture is the spring and the fall and didn't get to hunt nearly as much as I would like to. Kind of the same as all these guys. Like Eric said, we all kind of had the same path. Yeah, it's, it's been a fun ride, like Zach said. Pretty much just get to hunt all the time now, and I really appreciate it, because after working a full-time job for a couple of years, you, you really appreciate all the time that you get to spend in the woods. It's been a lot of fun. Good deal. Yeah, that, that work can definitely be a conflict mm-hmm, with... Sure. Uh, <laughs> Hunting and fishing. Yeah, in a nutshell, we're just a bunch of guys that just love to be out there. And we talk about that all the time, and, you know, people hear it as kind of a cliche or whatever, but, like, when we hired Jake, there was, like, a huge pool of applicants at the time. 
And that's what the main thing is that we're really looking for. I mean, even Eric and Zach and myself through the years, like that's what we ask people is like, do you really love to hunt and fish? It's gotta be, it's because gotta be weird. Like it's gotta be it's gotta something be, different than like even the people that love yeah. to hunt. And fish. You can't, yeah, you can't, you like can't just hunt. like it. You can't just want to go out, you know, on the weekends and be like, yeah, I'd love to go hunting, you know, with you guys. I like to go hunting. My you spare know. time. Yeah. <laughs> and to put it in perspective, for those who obviously are listening to a podcast, they can't see what Jake has around his neck right now. <laughs> he has four turkey spurs and a bear claw. <laughs> so. Where's that bear claw from? Bear claw is from Alaska, and <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. And really, the bear claw has nothing to do with myself. <laughs> Zach and I, uh, we just try to rob as many clothes from people that come through camp <laughs> as we can. <laughs> my, my buddies are down from Wisconsin, and his uncle had shot this bear, and I had never seen this necklace before. And I'm like, why have I not seen this? He just never wears it. So he just showed it to me, and when he wasn't looking, I threw it into Zach's room because I knew that we wanted to keep it, and I knew that he wasn't going to use it. So that's how that that's how that happened. Probably not quite as epic as a story as you probably have. Don't, don't bring anything strange to yeah our house or camp because like we won't like, steal it. We'll just put it somewhere where yeah, you might where, forget if you about forget it. it. Sorry. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> You get squatters' rights on other people's stuff. That's been a camp for five minutes. That's mine. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to take that. So I'm, I'm lucky. I got my boots back. I loaned my boots to Zach yesterday. I had a pair of dry rubber boots because we were soaked. Yeah. It rained all day. Nah, it, w- it would never be anything too important. It's stuff like a little neck, a little necklace, or a, yeah. an old jacket, an old vest, or something. That's more like what we're what we're going for t-shirts stuff i mean like really that. it's just resupplying along the well, way well it's just like know. it just rotates you know you can take our stuff too if you want if you really <laughs> like something zach's no wearing world. my my shirt right now because he doesn't have any clean ones yeah. left for the trip the yeah it's gonna we're gonna spend several weeks doing laundry i think when we get home <laughs> i imagine haven't been home much yeah because right now it's may 22nd you said you've been out since march 15th yeah around about there around yeah yeah all over the how many states uh, we were counting them last night, and we got up to 11. 12, I think. 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Yeah. As a group. Yeah, we're finishing up here in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. You guys were over, so for those listening, we're in Barneveld, Wisconsin here, Vortex HQ, and you guys were over in Blue Mounds? Is that where you're at? Or uh, we Gaze were, Mills was where we Gaze Mills, from. yeah. Oh, okay. Boscobel mm-hmm. area. Over in the steep, steep country. More the bluff mm-hmm. kind of area? Yeah. Right around the Wisconsin River. Yeah, the river's been flooded, so we haven't been able to hunt down on it as much as we thought we were going to, but still tons and tons of public land around and lots of birds. So it's been a real fun trip to close the close the year out. I mean, we've got our butts kicked in a lot of places this year, <laughs> and we got pretty lucky on this trip until Mark showed up, and then... <laughs> Come on, Mark. Yeah, I, rolled, I rolled in the camp about noon-ish on, what was that, Sunday, and these guys rolling about the same time, kicking three birds out the door. You know, had, <laughs> had an epic morning. I'm like, all right, it's on. And we get, that you easy? Know, <laughs> rain and tight-lipped birds and hen-up birds. But Mark came yeah. in with one of those, like, like storm clouds that just follows yeah, his yeah, head. Right. He just came in because it just poured. Just a big Eeyore the whole time, you know. <laughs> no, but uh, it, was, it was good, though, you know what I mean? And, and it's, you know, we were talking about that a little bit. Man, it takes those bad, and it, and they weren't. It wasn't even a bad day, you know. But those tough days where you know you just charge it, and you know maybe you're not quote unquote, you know, I'm doing air quotes right now, successful at the end of the day. But man, it takes it takes those days to make the good ones all the sweeter, you know. And 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 vice versa, man. You know, when you finally find, you know, get it, get it to work and connect up, 
you know, then it's just like, oh yeah, you know, just both both things. I think are, it's like fifty fifty what keep driving you to you know keep hitting it hard. Mm-hmm. But oh yeah, I mean, it's just about time spent in the woods. Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk about that mm-hmm. all the time. We were talking about that the other day. Like uh, the more often you can put yourself in in a position to be successful, the more often you inevitably are. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to happen, you know, all the time. We were figuring up the other day, like we may only get an opportunity 20, 25% of the time at a bird. For deer, it's like 3%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We are like definitely so small. Definitely yeah, not as efficient as a lot of people out there. It's just the sheer time that we spend in the woods. I mean, we know a lot of guys that pretty much kill something about half the time they go out, at least turkey hunting. And oh, yeah. We're definitely Dave. not. Yeah, we're definitely yeah. not at that level. It's just we get to spend a lot of time out there, and it makes it look like we really know what we're doing, but... Yeah, yeah, we're just we showing people the, the ride through our trial and error. Yeah, you know. showing people our experiences, and, and hopefully they can learn from that, and hopefully we can learn from other people's They learn a lot from our mistakes as well. as, just as much as they learn from our successes. They like the mistakes more yeah. than they like the mm-hmm. successful hunts. You learn, more, you learn more from mistakes than you do from success. I mean, mm-hmm. when, you, when you mess something up, you're like, well, I know not to do that next time. And when you do, then it puts you in a better position for the next time, I think, so. There's about, you know, a thousand, is good. about a thousand ways to do something wrong and usually only one way to do yeah, it, right? Yeah. So if you can knock out as many of the ways to right. do it wrong, then you know you're getting closer. Exactly right. But you were saying, too, like the more you put yourself in a position for success, the more chance you have for success. I think it's it's interesting as well. Like you guys obviously spend tons of time out in the woods. The more time you just spend out there, the more you even know how to put yourself in a position for success. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who's a more novice turkey hunter might get out there and be like, man, I don't even know where to go, you know, mm-hmm. or I don't right. even know when I should call, where I should call, all those things. Well, we do spend a ton of time in the woods, but they're all in different places, and we do that for a reason. When we go on these trips, we we don't want to be somewhere for longer than six, seven days at a time because then it becomes unrealistic for people to relate to. You know, they're like, well, I don't have 20 straight days to go out there and turkey hunt, but some people do have a few days, you know, two, three, four days where they can take vacation, take a week off go travel somewhere or go down down the road to their farm or whatever. So we try to show them how to go into a new property in many cases, you know, and figure it out. And hopefully by the end of the trip, the end of that four or five day span, you're killing birds or deer or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And of course, to make it even better, you're doing it all in public too, which is like mm-hmm. as if, you know, you couldn't get any more relatable. Yeah, exactly. Then. The main goal, I think, is just to put ourselves in as many situations that are like you know, other guys like us, mm-hmm. just to you know help each other just out. Just be I out guess. there hunting where any literally anybody can go and hunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want people. We want more people to go hunting. We mm-hmm. want you know the people that are interested in hunting that already do hunt to just know they have more opportunity out there. Well, I mean, a lot of the places that we hunt in Iowa and some of these other states, you just don't see anybody out there a lot mm-hmm. of the time. You know, especially during the weekend. Yeah, on the weekends, you get some folks running around, but. There's all this great resource that we have across the board in this country, and like we might as well be using it. Yeah. I mean, we got there's plenty more birds left in the woods right down the road here. <laughs> trust me, we let we let plenty of them go oh, yesterday, Mark. Yeah, nope. There's a, there's a few <laughs> left out there, that's for sure. But yeah, you know, I mean, I think that's one awesome thing that you guys are doing, man. And I mean, it's inspiring, right? I mean, I think they can be intimidating, particularly for maybe a first time hunter or somebody that's just trying to get into it. Or just um, somebody who's never done it, you know. Yeah. You hear a lot of people say, "Oh, hunting hunting public land—that's crazy." You know, I think it's just because of the 
you know, maybe their dad or uncle or something told them that some horror stories about public land. and you Or know, they went out and had a bad experience right. sometimes at some point. It, sometimes that happens, but most times it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, it does definitely present some unique challenges and some mm-hmm. stuff that you, you might not have to deal Can't with. You can't control know. every variable. Mm-hmm. And we show that, and mm-hmm. we just show people, like, look, it's not that big of a deal. Right. Right. Like, you mm-hmm. just go somewhere else or mm-hmm. talk to the person and work it out. Right. Like it's... You even used it. Actually, I was watching one right before you guys came in where you used, there was a dude calling, I think it was to your left. You were in a brush pile. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh, that's Alabama. And there was a dude, yeah, calling to your left. He and he moved actually on ended another up, bird, and then he brought those ones in. Yeah, he brought it right into your yeah. uh, into your line of sight, and you ended up getting that bird. Yep. So and We've been almost... on the other end of that plenty of times this year, too, where <laughs> we think we got one coming in, and then a shot goes off. But all you can do is laugh, really, yeah. and pick on Aaron for crying about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's part. That's part of, of public land hunting, you know, and it kind of makes it fun. It's like there's a unique challenge. You just don't know exactly what you're getting into every day. Something's a little bit different. Yeah. Well, and I think you kind of touched on it when you said novice hunters, you know, and public land is something that's just so accessible to people, like whether it be a brand new hunter or someone who's just, you know, been hunting for years and has all kinds of spots lined up to go. Like you said, it's a resource that everyone can kind of go out and utilize. And I think kind of showing those successes and failures and stuff, I think that really makes people, builds a little bit of awareness about, about something that I think people overlook sometimes. We so, get all kinds of comments from new hunters. Yeah. Like they, they say, you know, I just tried this as a kid or an adult, whoever. Like, I'm just trying turkey hunting for the first time. Or, man, I haven't turkey hunted in 15 years, but was watching you guys and I bought a tag and I'm going back out and like that's what we really Yeah, that's been one of the coolest things for me is the messages or comments about people either getting back into it or trying it for the first time or like Zach kind of touched on they have private land that they've always hunted but they wanted to try hunting public land this year just for whatever reason I think that's That definitely is the proudest thing Mm -hmm. you know We're not necessarily just saying go hunt public land just go hunt Yeah, right, right, for sure Right And have fun And if if you watch your guys' videos too I think the uh Oh, shoot, I had a point, and then I started talking, and it immediately went away. Um, <laughs> but uh, the cool thing, well, I don't know. I kind of forgot exactly what I was going to say. To tell you the truth, that just completely came and went. Hey, man, it happens all the time. <laughs> no, I was just going to add into that, though, what you guys you know, show out there. I mean, it really does, in a very raw way, I think it just can inspire a lot of folks to be like, man, I can, I can go do that, you know? Like, I mean, you, I mean, you guys are definitely, you know, in my opinion, you know, next level when it comes to calling. And like you said, you got to, I mean, there's people that like to hunt. There's people that love to hunt. And then, you know, there's folks like you that spend 50 days in a tent and grind at daylight to dark to and not sleep and not eat that, you know. They have to hunt or they won't be happy in life. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, essentially sacrificing all other things in some ways, you yeah, know. Yeah, no, but, it's exactly uh, that. It's, it's um, exactly that. You know, it's that big of a priority, but I think it's just it's cool to see what you guys have done, and, and you know, I think really, truly, like, a lot of folks, you know, are going to benefit from that, from just, you know, A, the inspiration, and then also learning from it, like, you know, and seeing those trials and tribulations and seeing you guys work a bird and see when it works out, you know, where you get it and see when it doesn't work out. But like we said, man, you can you learn. You learn. That's... That's what I was going to say. <laughs> that is exa- Yes, thank you, Mark. Yeah, but really, I mean, if you watch, like, turkey hunting videos are cool. Like, they're, they're all cool. Everybody loves turkey hunting. It's super exciting. But if you go on, again, like, head to YouTube and watch out these guys' turkey tour, like, you guys show everything. It's not just kind of like the really cool kind of sexy shots of, like, you know, birds and cool, like, whatnot. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's like, oh, dang, like, 
I missed that bird or like, yeah, you know, yeah. oh, we or, messed up. Or, or we then... didn't film that bird and get that sexy shot, but we still got the bird. <laughs> right, right. But then, of course, when you do get one, too, you get that like excitement. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, that's really cool. That's, I think, my favorite part about watching what you guys are doing is the, the, the fellowship and the friendship that you guys have amongst yourself and showing people that they can go out and they can get into hunting. Hunting is such an exclusive sport. It's something that a lot of people do by themselves. But then you get you guys on the other side of the spectrum. You're out there doing all this stuff together. Jake shoots a bird, and instantly there's four other guys that are just as excited as you are for shooting that bird. And I think it's cool, something that even is kind of reflected in your guys' name, the hunting public kind of reflects the, the hunting community. And I think that's, mm-hmm. that's in my opinion, the, the, my favorite aspect of it. That's our the, mission. That was our, that's been our mission from the get-go. That is, probably that is a never good point. Maybe just... The hunting public isn't necessarily just hunting public land, like you just mentioned. Just it was kind of the general public, like everybody, everybody that hunts is part of the hunting public, you know. Yeah. yeah. But sorry, go ahead and whatever. No, you're I mean that's exactly right. Jake. Just a community of like, you know, people learn like, and and we're not saying either in our videos that we have all the answers or we're doing everything right. These are just the things that are working or are not working for us. There's no, you know, like we definitely don't have all the answers, and if and and we definitely don't want to come across as that, like. No, this if we're going to tell you, like, like, if we're going to try to educate someone, the most honest way that we can do that is by showing them right then and there in that situation. That's what we preach with as far as tactics go in our videos. It's all situational tactics mm-hmm. from turkeys to deer, whatever it is we're hunting. You know, it's that day, like, you just saw what this bird did. This is why I or he thinks that turkey did what he did. But you're not sitting there on a you know log shooting that in middle of July. You're shooting. You're filming that right as it's happening. Mm-hmm. So you, it's much easier to teach people in that sense. Yeah. You can show them exactly what you're what you just screwed up. I thought. <laughs> I thought like when I was watching one of the craziest things you know that that hit me was the variety of places that you guys are hunting in. I mean, this turkey tour, for instance, like you said, it was twelve ish states or something like that. I'm watching and thinking to myself, you see some videos and it's like, dude goes out to like the same spot every year and it's kind of like, well, I know that deer is going to come right there and it's kind of, you know, but you'd go into a place that you've never been before. You're using your Onyx maps to find public land spots. You're, I mean, you're literally figuring it out on the go. And that's, I mean, that's pretty cool there. And that takes a lot of just sort of intuitive hunting knowledge. I mean, that takes a lot of experience, but like what goes into that when you guys are in like a brand new spot and, and like you said, the tactics of it and things like that. We spend a lot of time scouting at home before we go, and that's something that anybody can do. Just from looking you know, at maps. Is what just from looking at maps, and oh, then yeah. we, you know, identify the areas that we're going to be hunting. Like, for example, in Alabama, what? how big was it, 12,000? Something like that, yeah. 11, 12,000-acre WMA, and it was uh, broken up into smaller chunks oh. all throughout. Privately owned, yeah. Privately owned, leased by the state for public hunting. Before we go into that trip in early March, you know, we're looking at all those maps and trying to determine habitat features that could potentially hold turkeys. Dropping pins and stuff like that. Yeah, and all we're doing there is we don't know because we've never been on this place before. We're just putting in our guesses then. I mean, kind of like you were talking about doing before you came out and went hunting with us. You marked some pins on your map, and the same thing we're doing. We're just looking for, with turkeys, I'll keep this short, it's, it's habitat diversity. You know, turkeys have to have water, they need woods, they need some thick cover, they need some openings, they need all those things right there in a fairly small area. 
So you're looking at that and identifying those spots from a map. Then you get there and you are just testing your guess. You're going out there and putting boots on the ground and trying to find out if your guess is right. You're and just crossing off there. your pins, basically. You're, you're, you're wrong a lot of times, and then all of a sudden you get one right. You're either circling them or you're crossing them off the list, and, and you just go from there. And like on the fly, once you find one where you find turkeys, then you try to find a consistent pattern there with other habitat types, you know, other little pieces where you can say, okay, that's probably another place I'll be because it has the things that this place does that definitely has turkeys. And we definitely, like I said, we're... We have no idea when we're going into it. By the end of the trip, it's like, man, all of our oh, guesses were yeah, totally wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you know? like a lot of times, there's there's two or three places at best but that it's you a, guessed right. It's a progression. In a four four to seven-day trip, you start out driving a lot, hitting the roads, checking access points, because a lot of these areas, you have no idea if it's a mud road, if the access trail that's on the map is even a trail at all, if it's vehicle access, or if it's foot traffic only. Like, you need to go around and figure all that out as soon as you get there. So we cover tons of ground when we get there. We try to get up on top the highest, the highest points possible and listen for birds, you know, early in the morning, late in the evening. And then when we hear one, we zero in on his location. We mark that exact spot because most of the time, especially early in the season, if there's a turkey goblin there, there's probably more, and they're probably not going too far from that spot throughout the day. And then you just, you sort of just work in from there. And sometimes it takes, like in Alabama, for instance, we're finding one bird, two birds on a whole area. And it would take three, four, five days to zero in on that turkey before we could get in close enough to get an opportunity. Do you find that that general strategy of kind of where you scout it out and you kind of find places that turkeys you think they would like to be in, that kind of work? You guys started south to north, generally speaking? As, I yeah, mean, it worked. But where it works the best, I would say we would all agree on this, is like where it works best is like where you've previously scouted. Like when we go to Iowa or Missouri or Ohio or Wisconsin, some of these places that we've hunted in the past, like boom. It's no, not, it's not as there. much of a process <laughs> as yeah. it is, you know, when we go to Alabama, a place that we are totally blind in. Like we don't even hardly know that habitat at all. That's a whole, and the population's different, you know, there's a number of things, but when you really know the hunting area, you know, when, like in Iowa, we all live there, the other places that we've lived in the past, that's when. Yeah, right, we know yeah. how to get in and out of there, and people take that stuff for granted. Like you mentioned a while ago, you can pull up YouTube and watch a, any video of, a, of somebody sitting on the same food plot year after year <laughs> after year. Well, a lot of times they're doing that because they, they, you know, they know the area. They mm-hmm. know that deer like to use that spot, and you don't, you know, a lot of folks don't think about that, like, well, how do you get back there? Well, I walk up this trail that I mowed, you know, last summer. Well, when you go into a place completely blind, how do you know that trail even exists? <laughs> right. mm-hmm. You know, so it's essentially walking the area or getting to know the area wherever you are. Is... I think the best example of that is when we were in Nebraska, when we first saw the first birds of the trip and just dove straight down. Oh, into yeah, that was canyon. not a good move. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was I must have just that one because I'm trying to get caught up. What was that one then? Nebraska this year. We The first day, I think it was the first day we were there. It was at least the first birds we went out after. We just climbed up this big ridge, and the country was a lot bigger than we expected it to be when we before we went out there. And we got up to this high point, and pretty much as soon as we got up there, looked way, way down the valley, like the furthest I've ever seen a turkey away. And I had to confirm it with him, actually. 
And sure enough, there was two gobblers down there with a bunch of hens. I don't know how far away, but... Mile. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it, we walked a mile to get to the top of the ridge and then spotted them another mile past that or more. And we just dove off after them because we were all excited. First birds of the trip and didn't realize how bad it was going to be till we got to like yeah. about halfway down there and stuff started dropping straight off. The, we were in north, northwest <laughs> Nebraska. And well, we, were, we were hunting with Michael and Marcus from Randy Newberg's show. And those guys are like mountain goats, you know. <laughs> and uh, they they killed some birds earlier that day. And we were talking to them on the phone, like congratulating them, and it was super exciting. Whatever they got these turkeys, and they're like, "Yeah, we just spot and stalked them Western style." And we're like, "Yeah, well, we're <laughs> just gonna get to a high point then and spot some birds and try to go in on them." So we saw them. We're like, "Well, Michael Marcus did it, so let's let's see if we can do it." And before you know it, we were in the bottom of a giant canyon and <laughs> like just looking up all around us, and <laughs> thousands of feet of. <laughs> that we have yet to climb out of and no water, no anything. We're just plant line guys, just yeah, about we're just dead <laughs> trying to climb back up. I mean, yeah. when that, I mean, that is the stuff that you only learn with that boots on the ground and like you're talking about, you know, particularly, I mean, that's any hunt that when you jump into a spot or a state or whatever for the first time, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, you want to do your research on the front end, but, you know, a lot of educated guesses out there and, and you don't you don't learn those finer points until you get there. And I think, you know, that can be, yeah, I mean, it can be, you know, frustrating, but I, I know whenever I've hunted a new place for the first time, it seems like by the end of the week, about the time you're ready to go home is about the time you got it figured out, you know, yeah. but then for next year, it's like you've got a way bigger head start. Yep. Oh, yeah. You can't be afraid to... to scout whether that's checking access in the vehicle or just walking places like you can't be afraid to do it because that's how you ultimately i mean how we mostly have success is is one way or another scouting you know oh we're, we're scouting for turkeys all year we're really scouting for deer all year like we as soon as deer season closes in the winter and in the early spring before turkey season opens we're walking property or we're looking at it just if we have time you know to run out and drive around a place or go walk around a place. I mean, just to figure out, like, if there's a fence gap somewhere or if is this a woven wire fence or is this a barbed wire fence? Yeah. Because if it's a woven wire fence and you end up in there next spring on a turkey, he's not going to come through that fence. You know, it's just stuff like that. Yeah. Um, just l very little details. You, you have to scout, like, almost constantly. I mean, it's like it's just like we're sitting here and we're looking at those deer and turkey we all should probably be thinking a little bit, okay, why? Why is the deer there? Why is the turkey coming out there? Just constant, like literally There's constantly. probably a terrain or Driving down the road. You see a tom, why is he there? You see a buck, why is he there? What time of day? What's the wind? You know, what? all these things, all factors. Think about it constantly, and that will, you know. It'll be more fun that way, too. Yeah. Because then you can spend more well, time talk outside. About, yeah. and, and if you got buddies, talk to them about it. Because, like, yeah, we just constantly sit in the living room. It's like, just like we couldn't get any more of it. It's like we've just done it for... Well, Aaron and I drove an, an hour and a half last night after we packed up camp. It's like we just couldn't stop talking about it, you know. Talking about over, where we're going like, to go next year, <laughs> where we're going to go this fall. And what's your favorite hunt? What's your favorite, you know. What what you state know. was your favorite? Yeah. <laughs> nothing nothing wrong with that. There's yeah. some people who do the same thing about football. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Just, Absolutely, man. I don't understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it's, it's funny that you bring up sort of almost reverse engineering what you're seeing out there year-round. I mean, that's something I know I'm personally trying to get used to myself because it used to be where you'd be driving and be like, whoa, a deer, and like, that was cool. Yeah, just, yeah. You know, just keep driving. You know, we're like, whoa, there's a ton of turkeys out there, just whatever. But now, yeah, and then, like you said, you kind of got to figure out why is that. Yeah. 
I think if you're if you are thinking about it a tiny little bit, it makes you it makes you better uh, at recognizing that same spot in a different location. You know, a place that you can go hunting, or when you are in that hunting situation, you're like, okay, I've seen turkeys, you know, strutting around a point in a field before, or on the high point of a field before. It's like that's where I'm gonna go set up. Yeah, just little stuff like that. I yeah, mean, process. When you go. and you brought it up earlier, you know, I mean, what you guys are be able to, you know, show kind of in the moment of what's going on. And, and you talk about like analyzing th- those things. It's like, okay, we saw birds here. So, okay, well, what time of year is it? What time of day is it? What's the, what's the weather doing right, right. now? What's, what's the entire spring been like? Mm-hmm. You know I mean? We've had some pretty gnarly weather here. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the river's flooded. You know, some of those birds might be pushed super out. Cold. and Everything was uh, very Super late cold. You know, some nests might have been destroyed. So maybe that's, you know, why some of these birds are hinned up a little bit harder later in the season. Well, yeah. And, and just thinking that stuff through. And having the conversation, too. Like, he brought the hen nest thing up, you know, why the, the, maybe the turkeys were hinned up around the river. And then that made me start thinking about an area that I was hunting where there was a creek that didn't get flooded and why the turkeys were doing different things and why they were moving in different ways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we have these conversations, it just gets your mind turning on all the, you know, I think having a group is really important too. If we didn't have this group on these trips, it's a lot harder. We've done it and it's tough. It's way tougher when you don't have the group, the conversation uh, really makes the process move a lot more. More brains. On a bigger scale too, like Eric kind of brought that social aspect up a while ago. We're not just using our buddies for tactics. The social aspect of hunting is something that has almost been lost in the last couple of decades. That's a good When point. you were kids, you remember going to the check station all the time. You remember going to deer camps. And luckily, Wisconsin still has a really great tradition of, of doing that. But lots of other places, that's sort of becoming lost. Like Eric said, especially with whitetail hunting, it is becoming this very isolated sport. And you don't have to do that. I mean, you can go out there and work as a team if you want and it's really way more fun that way and i think it goes way beyond just public land too you know ideally you almost want to reach those private landowners because you you always hear about it this guy has his 40 and this guy owns the 40 next to him and they have different values and there's that disconnect there and that's in a nutshell almost what ends up negatively affecting the hunting community. No, it's 100%. You don't want the hunting community to be against each other. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, this, to put it in no other way, this big buck craze has created this, you know, almost hatred between people that are like-minded. I mean, literally doing the same thing, love the same thing, (laughs) care about the same thing. And they want the same thing. Yeah, and if you don't try to get along with your neighbor, for example, whatever it may be, the separation of hunters, I guess, is just not good. You, mm-hmm. you can't have that because the more people that care about the same thing and are as one community, you can't break that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you hate each other and you're on the same team, you can break that. Same people that get on Facebook and high five about how, like, you know, hunting and all that stuff should be what everybody does or something mm-hmm. like that. Same people who are neighbors and then, like, yeah. so they get pissed yeah. at they, one another. Yeah, they hate each other because they they went in at the wrong time into the property and bumped a buck and whatever, you know, the big buck and they shot at the big buck or whatever. I mean, that, that stuff's ridiculous. And hunters have this, this idea because we're always surrounding ourselves with other hunters. So we feel like there's nothing wrong out there. You know, it's like, oh yeah, there's hunters all over the place. But when you really look at it, a big picture, there's a very, very small percentile of the, the hunting public that actually hunts. And if we're creating rifts in there amongst each other, Mm. we're shooting ourselves in, a foot, in, mm. in the foot oh, yeah. for the future moving forward. 
What do you what do you think that is about? So you brought up the fact that a lot of people are doing like this kind of like solo kind of thing, and mm-hmm. and I mean I'm not gonna poo who the solo hunter thing. I mean no 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 some cool aspects we, of it certainly. And we are oh, yeah. yeah yeah but, we do it you know, too still so, right, at times right we're just I, saying I how miss lo- hunting alone <laughs> a fair amount I really do yeah sure. We're just saying, though, at the same time, it does seem like a lot of people kind of don't do as much of the kind of group social aspect of hunting. Like, you know, I wonder, does that have anything to do with just like a lot of the individualistic stuff that, that's out there now? You know, you see a lot of people just being like, be your own thing, you know, like do your own thing. And I think it just yeah. seem like weird to hunt. We might open or... a can of worms here, so to speak, but we don't <laughs> care. Yeah. Um, yeah. Within the hunting community, if you really break it down, this is probably our collective opinion and listeners take this with as many grains of salt as you wish i guess the big buck craze so to speak has created a competitive nature within especially whitetail hunting turkey hunting not so much like that's why we do the long bird things because you shoot a tom like who cares if he has an eight inch beard or 12 inch beard or half inch spurs or inch and a half spurs 99 percent of the people are going to shoot him anyway because he came in gobbling and strutting like, you don't know until you get up to the bird. With a deer, you see his rack grow over time. So you're constantly staring at this thing, you know, when you're trying to quantify, like, how many points he has, how long his tines are, how much he scores, how Will old he is. Will be bigger next year? Yeah, yeah, how much history you have with them. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. I mean, we've done that, and it's fun I mean, to I keep mean, track of deer. Also, we're also, I will put this out there, we also love big bucks. Yes, you know, we love does. hunting mature bucks. yeah. yeah. But you need to keep the perspective also that once that becomes so competitive, you're, you're almost measuring the deer against other hunters and their success, not just you well, against the deer, so yeah, to speak. No, and that's it's what... Become, yeah, it's, be, it's almost it's become measuring... It's measuring yourself against another hunter based off of bone. Yeah. And that just seems ridiculous Like, and the animal has no idea what is yeah. up there. Like, yeah. there's no clue how... I mean, he may know how old he is, but... <laughs> Like, we don't know half the time. Um, it's just, and not to knock that whole thought process, because like we said, we, you, we, we still do that. Mm-hmm. But we got to check ourselves at times, you know. Keep our goals because realistic. A lot of people form these goals where it's like, I have to kill a 180-inch five-year-old buck. And the only way to do that is to keep as many people out, get as much as I possibly can, and essentially just not touch this area and I think not keep everybody out you know all the time really and that's just this thing of like needing the satisfaction of like hey look at me like in, in social media stuff has made, created a big problem with that it's like everybody you see the picture of like the guy with his buck and his sheds of 18 years beforehand and his you know he's like measuring himself up to other hunters instead of just like you know there's some stuff on social media now it's like 10 years ago it's like, hey, you killed a 10-point. That's awesome, man. Congrats. And now it's like, hey, you killed a 10-point. Well, how many years of history did you have with him? You know, what did he score? <laughs> What's his sheds? It's like, and that stuff is, this has created this separation because now there's so much competitiveness that if, if I have a property, instead of, you know, it's like now it's like a guy will have a property and instead of having Jake and Aaron come hunt with him, he'll be like, nah, I better keep that for myself so I can get right. that big buck. Yep. And that's a part of it. That's the part of the other craze, I guess, that we really yeah, and it's, have a hard time It's not time a with. bad w- thing. We're yeah. not saying, you know, don't do that, but just keep some perspective. Like, if you have a, a local person down the road and you have a, a big resource there with animals on it that, you know, you could share with them potentially, then you might entertain doing that every once in a while. And you would really be surprised how much fun you have when you really, when you begin to let go of that. 
I used to do that all the time. When I was in like 20 years old, I was about, you know, I hunted every single day. I had to kill a four-year-old, so quote unquote, 140-inch buck with my bow. And I let several bucks walk. And then they, a couple of times, one walked off and I'm looking at him like, man, that thing's easy 145. And I thought he was 135. So I let him walk and I was just pissed. And I got <laughs> back to my truck that day and I was late for work and I got in there and I got chewed out and I was like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> like, I would have been just thrilled to shoot that thing. Like, why didn't I just shoot that deer? And it became, I don't know, in my mind anyway. It's almost like you're worried about what other people think. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's, like that's the word, exactly. The, you were using the word co- competition or competitive. And like, how is hunting at all a competition? You can't win. Like, how do you, <laughs> yeah. how do you right. I don't care if you shoot 18 200 inches. You don't, at the end, of, I said this to somebody the other day and they, they liked it. I hate to break it to you, but when you die, nobody cares about how many inches of antler you shot. Yep. Care, you know yeah mm-hmm. if you're having fun then people like that hey that guy had a lot of fun hunting That's oh well, one of our buddies ted miller like he's whitetail legend in iowa mm-hmm. i mean the dude's killed more big bucks than anybody people like don't, he, don't have a clue how many yeah. Yeah. people don't even know and because he wants to keep that private we won't talk about like how many deer he has but he honestly could care less like he he has these farms and he and he keeps track of bucks and has history with him which is real cool he loves going out with us. On, he like he went turkey on me and Greg last week, and he just had the time of his life. That's because it's the social aspect of hunting. That, and that's really, when you think about our nuts and bolts as hunters, that's where we came from. Mm-hmm. We didn't come from this most, isolated most people, yeah. sense. Yeah. You didn't yeah, think that's, that's most mentality. people just didn't start, mm-hmm. you know, where they are, I guess. Right. I think a lot of this just circles back to it's like getting at the root of why we all started doing it to begin with, you know, and you talk mm-hmm. about perspective and kind of maybe, you know, over time your priorities or, or what you base success off can, can shift. And I think it's taking a, a look inward a little bit and just, you know, creating maybe that balance, you know, I mean, I think maybe that's what some of it yeah, is. Yeah, that's a good way to there's put no, it. Because there's not a wrong way, Mm-mm. there's not a wrong way to do it. By right? any legal you know, means, just, I mean, as You're going to grow and progress as a hunter. The longer that you hunt, like, you're going to grow and progress, and you're going to want to challenge yourself more, so there's nothing wrong with, like, trying to hunt bigger deer or older deer. Just keep in mind where you came from. Keep, well, that's the thing, it. like you said, to, in today's day and age, it's all about what have you done for me today or what's going to happen in the morning. It, mm-hmm. People forget about yesterday, you know, in the past, but... Well, and the, you know, the story that you, you just told, right? I mean, I think a good question to ask yourself is, am I having fun? Mm-hmm. Oh. Right. And that's why you're doing it in the first place. Really, it is. Yeah. I mean, that's why you started doing it, is for that heartbeat, you know, mm-hmm. that adrenaline rush. Because otherwise, for most guys, why would you take the time to be away from your family or whatever else it is, your friends, whatever else it is, right. you know? I had a similar experience for like three years, and my friend Ben and I were like hunting, and we just, we had set these goals, and honestly, they weren't. It was possible, but they weren't realistic to, and we drove ourselves crazy to the point where we were just like, this isn't, like, we should just do more fishing, dude. Like, this is, you know, (laughs) we're just like not even, because, because that was the norm is to do like what Aaron said, set some goal. And I think the big thing for me too is like, be realistic to yourself, right? Like we hunt in Iowa. So like we have these big bucks, you know, Wisconsin's pretty, you know, pretty dang good, big bucks. But if you live in a place where there's not big bucks, you know, just like be like, we just want you to be okay with your goals. Set a goal yeah. and make it realistic and then go for it. And well, then have have a blast doing it. Exactly. You know, if you start measuring just completely on inches, right? Like everything's relative. Mm-hmm. You know, I oh, mean, yeah. you could be in, you know, in certain states, you know, if you get a buck, 
that's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and you should be proud of it. And and heck, you know, and if you live in a big butt state and you want to shoot a fork or a spike, <laughs> yeah, who cares? Go for it. Yeah. yeah you it's know? awesome. That's it's it's all based off time. That's why time we're going hunting. to Alabama to go yeah. deer hunting this fall. It's because you go down there and you visit with all these turkey hunters that deer hunt and all real nice folks and oh wow, you guys are up in Iowa. Yeah, we don't I don't kill any kind of deer like like what you guys do. And it's almost like they're down about it. Yeah, you know? it like, is. yeah we yeah. just we just don't have the deer here, man. I, I just don't think we'll ever get there. And it's like I'm like, what do you mean? There's deer everywhere here. Yeah, there's, there's a bucks ton all of over deer. the place. How many here. nice sheds did you guys find in uh, yeah, in we found a bunch of sheds. Now, I mean you're yeah, you're you're talking about a smaller rack, smaller sized deer, but like they're not gonna you're not still gonna deer. get a Huge. Yeah, it's still going to be a challenge. It's still going to be mm-hmm. an experience to still do. It's going to be fun. Do. You're still going to get time outdoors, all those things. Part of this this mentality, too, that's part of the reason you guys came up with the, the Longbird thing, mm-hmm. right? Oh, no. yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah, explain that, too, for people not familiar. Go ahead, Zachary. I'll tell you guys a quick <laughs> quick story here. So, like, me, me and my buddy who, like, hunts a little bit, mostly a fisherman and just, like, uh, you know, like hiking, backpacking, whatever. We were just laughing one day he's always real interested in my hunting stories and I referred to a turkey as like a long beard or something, you know? And he just started laughing. He's like, man, turkey hunters say some weird stuff. Like, <laughs> he's just like, you know, all the things I've heard you call turkeys over the years. So we just kind of spitballed back and forth going through them and then the names and then just kind of kept getting like stranger and stranger. And then he said long bird. And I thought that was hilarious. And we just kept joking about it for a couple of years. Once I came, moved to Iowa and was hanging out with these guys and, we kept joking about it, and then we we're like, you know, we should seriously just start measuring these things. Longbird, see how long they are, and just make up some crazy system because, like, Is that like head to tail, basically, or yeah. Well, we the uh, you know unofficial <laughs> rules. <laughs> yeah, the only rules start. are there are no rules. <laughs> okay, but we do what we do is a loose snood. You know, you just get that snood out there, not don't stretch it out. <laughs> I was gonna say no, no, no snood stretchers here. <laughs> all right, all and right. Go from there, just somewhere across the body. Again, no rules to the tail fan. You know, we find that most of them are about 47 and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, yeah, I mean, 45 to 52, whatever. I think 43 to 53 is where we've been, which is quite the broad range. But, yeah, they're pretty much about 47. I mean, it's it's kind of a joke, and it's funny, and we measure them. It's actually, at least from my perspective, it is 100% a joke. Like, it's just... Kind of picking on the um, like, how long is his beard? How like it? Yeah, like you were saying, it doesn't day, it doesn't really matter. Like you're yeah. gonna shoot a tom if it comes in. It's yeah, turkey. But no matter if yeah. think about the or... communication there, the communication barrier from you to your friend who's not a hunter. Mm-hmm. I know John, like mm-hmm. he's outdoorsy, yeah, interested in and it, he, and he, but yeah, he's not he a hunter. Hunted, he hears, yeah. and and this goes back to the really the overarching theme of the hunting community. He, as someone who could potentially be interested in hunting someday is hearing a group of hunters talk about long birds and hooks and things like this, and he's like, this is Japanese to me. Like, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. You know, so if you're trying to get more people involved or if you're communicating with people that aren't hunters, think about how you're communicating to them, Mm -hmm. you know, because they don't know what those things mean. No. I mean, (laughs) it it, it is like a foreign language when you think about acronyms or common vernacular man a lot of us i mean it's made up and it li- i mean it, <laughs> it, is. it lives totally. you know in this you know silo of you know current current yeah. hunters and mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's like a foreign language and then also you know as you talk about it you know i guess you're talking about the physical attributes of of the deer you know i mean it's probably good to talk about some of the other intricacies of the hunt mm-hmm. that we all know are there, right? right? So you kind of take them for granted because you feel those things, you know those things, you, you experience those things with your friends. 
And uh, and maybe it's just because sometimes it's hard to talk about your feelings or something like that. But um, I I think the the biggest thing, and I think it's because those things are hard to explain, right? Mm -hmm. Those things are hard to pin down, like, and I think that's a big reason why if you can bring that guy out there and be like, hey, let, let's get up early. Let's, let's, go, let's go hear those birds wake up. Let's hear that bird gobble on the limb. Let's get, you know, hopefully get one to come in and you know, gobble in our face at 10 yards, and it'll probably be the most exciting thing that person's ever experienced in their life, and you may just yeah, recruit another Yeah, and if you communicate with them in the correct way, communication is really the key to the yeah. whole world. I mean, when you think mm-hmm. about it, mm-hmm. it's that's uh, deep, Aaron. <laughs> you are on the verge of almost getting into like marriage advice. Like, <laughs> no, we're not going there. We're not going there. I was going to say I'm still working pretty hard on that one. I don't. If have we're it getting down. marriage advice, yeah. it's not coming from that. No, I'll just be quiet for a long time over here. But it's <laughs> it's good stuff though. Yeah, like the more that you can communicate that to people, though, especially ones maybe who aren't hunters, like the excitement that you got into, Mark, and you know that's that's pretty cool, and it's. It goes back a little bit to, you know, hunting is a sport and a lot of people maybe are familiar with the more like traditional team sports like a football or basketball or something like that. And every every sport has its own excitement level. You know, like when you go to a football game at Lambeau Field and you're sitting there, even if you're not playing it, but you're sitting there, you're just like it's nostalgic, it's cool, there's a lot of energy, you get to like the crowd and all that stuff. It's just like when you go out with a buddy and you're hunting, that environment that you're in, you get that just kind of just amped about it. And that's there's no substitute for being there. I mean, you can tell, you know, to, to a person that maybe hasn't hunted before, been introduced to it, I mean, you can explain it and you can try try to, but, I mean, there's there's no substitute for, for being there and, and seeing those things and having those experiences. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people talk about, you know, hunting as like, well, you know, I'm out there for, for the experience, right? Which I agree. Like, definitely when I go hunting, I'm out there to get one. You know, like, I'm, I'm doing my darndest to go get a buck or a bull or a turkey or whatever, what have you. But what you get, you know, I mean, that's almost kind of like this thing that's on the horizon. And what you get along the way while you're on that ride is that experience. And you see things in nature that you would never, never see or know about. Or even be able to look up some of the things that we've seen, you know, right. as hunters, you know. You know, we're talking about we're talking about this score and the longbird thing or whatever. Like, if you get try to get somebody into hunting, and that's your main focus, and you're telling him, "Hey, you got to you got to really sit here and start thinking about the type of buck you're going after." And if he's not three or four years old or four or five years old, you know, you're not doing anything, and like that takes away from that aspect of hunting mm-hmm. of just like. You're an experienced hunter. It's yeah. already hard enough for you to kill right. one that's that old. You know, you <laughs> right. think about this person that you're trying to so, take out there that yeah. has no idea what score even yeah, means. So on you're deer. just like, okay, so. like I now I have to get this big buck that has you know a certain amount of antlers of inches. I got to walk out and take a tape measure to this thing. Right. So <laughs> so what is fun about that? You know, and I think that takes away a lot. And and again, not that they're if those are your your goals, you're not keeping it into perspective of like, what is it? You know what like. One of the greatest parts, probably the, even if you don't think about it that much, one of probably the best part about hunting is just that you're outdoors and you get a little bit of peace and quiet and you get, like you said, you get to see something and there's nothing beats that. But if that's not your main focus, trying to get somebody into the sport, which we all should be doing, then, you know, and and your focus is, you know, something strange like antler inches or beard length, then you're not making it very appealing. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with thinking about that stuff, but yeah. Keep in perspective what everybody else is doing. This is a little bit different topic, but I think one of the craziest things while we're talking about people that haven't hunted from their perspective would be like 
people that name deer, just looking at it from the outside. Like these, <laughs> these people are literally, literally giving something that they're trying to kill a name. Like that has to be a crazy thing to try to understand. From, <laughs> yeah, especially, like you name your dog and you don't want to kill your dog. Especially yeah. if you're a pet owner. Yeah. yeah, from the outside, it just has to seem like the craziest thing. And you know, we world. didn't, the hunting community, we're all guilty of it, but we yeah. didn't do that, you know, with malicious intent or anything. No. Just to kind of figure out which deer was which yeah you yeah, know yeah. but in the process of doing that if a non-hunter sees you post posted up on facebook with a picture of a buck that you old, named old butch, Ray, Ray. and you're talking about all the years of history Sounds with like butch, you had him in the it's like holy cow like this guy just shot somebody's pet you know like i don't know i it's yeah, it's strange. We're a very strange group. There's no doubt. <laughs> we talk about these things every night. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. You hey, really- I mean, I, again, I'll, I'll parallel it back to sports because I think a lot of people, like again, who are maybe newer into hunting, maybe they might be really familiar with sports, but like, look at a baseball player. All that weird crap they do before they go up to bat, that's pretty weird. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I got to spit on the ground right here, <laughs> swing my left arm around like three times, and then, yeah. you know, Whatever like, you're doing, just yeah, you know, yeah. right before the pitch comes in. Like, yeah, everybody's got their yeah. thing. But, yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it can be a little bit it can be a little bit strange if you're not used to it. <laughs> yeah. If you're not used to us, it, it's going to be a little weird at first, but it's a lot of fun. Getting back a little bit to, you know, it, we kind of got on the track of introducing folks to the outdoors, and I think... You know, you guys, you know, we talk a lot about public land, you know, and I think a lot of people don't even know these places exist or that they're available to access. And I think, you know, if you are able to take somebody out and show them some of these things and these experiences that they can have and hopefully enjoy and maybe even pass on to another person, you know, you're not only taking them hunting and hopefully, you know, perpetuating hunting moving forward, you're introducing them to these places and they're going to care about these places after right. that. And, and yes. if, they, if they never set foot on them, they're not going to care about them. You yeah. know, and, and we need more people to care about these yeah. places. Yes. I have a true. weird way of like thinking about that as like like an advocate. You're creating advocates. You know, we're in marketing. We create brand advocates, yeah. right? So now you introduce someone to something, whether it's public lands, whether it's softball, whatever the case may be, you introduce someone to something. And I heard it in a, a, a video. I think it was Will Primos that said it. If you teach someone to love something, you'll teach them to protect it and care about it. And that was one of the weirdest, like, hard-hitting quotes, you know, because really it's, it's totally true, you know. Think about it. Here we are all sitting here talking about deer hunting. Well, we're talking about this, deer and turkey hunting, we're talking about this because somebody someday taught us to really care about it and think about it. Yep. And now here we are. we got to take that ownership upon ourselves, whether it's with public lands, hunter recruitment, whatever the case may be. To your point, these wild places, public lands, they really need that awareness. Well, from a political perspective, and you come from this background because you worked for the state for a while, the more, really think about this, the more people that you have that are introduced to public land that enjoy their experience out there, like you said, the more are going to care about it. Whether they're hunting or not. The more tax dollars, the more public support, the more votes at the end mm-hmm. of the day, that you're going to be able to get on issues regarding anything public lands. Like, we don't want we don't want to just keep our public lands. Like, that's a great goal. Let's have more public lands. Let's mm-hmm. have, like, there's so many people that want to go out and hunt that can't because they have no access. Yep. You know, and if they've never hunted in the first place, what's going to incentivize them to save up a million dollars or hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to go buy their own hunting property? Well, mm-hmm. nothing. They, they don't even know what the experience is like. So if they need these places to go. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it can be like Jake's just kind of mumbled over there. If it's non-hunter too, 
I have family that does not hunt, but they love the mushroom hunt. They love looking for antlers. Hiking. They love hiking. I think you don't have to have everybody that goes hunting, but maybe they like fishing. Maybe they like, like I said, shed hunting, whatever it may be, hiking. The more people that get into this community, the more people care about it and the more people want to protect it. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very important to there us. Is, yeah. There is something to be said about when you're on a public land and you harvest like a resource from mm-hmm. that public land you know that ties you into it a little bit even closer like yeah. when you catch a fish that then you take back and you eat you know mm-hmm. or you or you shoot a turkey that you take back and eat again that that kind of even ties you in a little bit closer you know there's lots yeah. of places that you might go hiking and hiking's great hiking's the yeah. view you know it is it is yep. yeah it could be it's, it's the, the view, view. It's yeah the that's adventure. true yeah. it's the things that you know something you can lock on to and you, you love it you love that piece of land you have a connection with it and that's what makes you care about. Yeah, now that you mention it, maybe it's like cool photos you take. Yeah, exactly. It's no, one exactly. of the few political exactly. issues that we all have in common. You know, yeah. conservatives, liberal, we won't go into whole, that whole <laughs> ball of wax. But when you think about it, really everybody likes, for a lot of people, like using that stuff for like what you just said. Hiking or hunting or fishing or bird watching or whatever. Recreating. Recreating. Our, our buddy Ryan Muckenhern works here in, at Vortex, was just out turkey hunting last week and uh, had a couple hikers, you know, yeah. come through and ruin the hunt for him. And, you know, they, that those hikers may or may not have liked or disliked hunting, but at the end of the day, they were both on the same exact property, enjoying the same exact place. Both mm-hmm. paying for the same exact thing <laughs> yeah. for different yeah, reasons. Yeah. And seeing that kind of work together, I think, is a really, really interesting concept to kind of think well, th- about. You know, I think with that, too, you know, I mean, obviously, I think the more hunters, the better, right? Just as long as they're not in my spots. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, oh, man. But, uh... <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, with that, you know, and we talk about, you know, I'm circling back a little bit to what you're talking about with, like, kind of the more the more maybe political side or whatever as far as, you know, more votes and things like that. And it's like uh, aside from maybe, you know, promoting like kind of like an, ad- an agenda, for lack of a better word, I just feel like people who aren't enjoying these places, you know, I, I think hopefully they're hunting. But if they're not, if they are, you know, mushroom hunting or something like that, the more people we can get enjoying these places, the better because – I mean, honestly, I feel like people, I mean, you're missing out. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I actually don't know what other people think about. Yeah. No, know? yeah, dude. Isn't um, it crazy? <laughs> what are people thinking about these days? <laughs> you know? And then, and then. All I'm thinking about is Tom's <laughs> Goblin right now. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, to your earlier point, though, Zach, of like not being conflicting or, or, or competitive, mm-hmm. I, I want to, you know, hopefully we can get to a place where the hikers and the hunters and the bird watchers, we can all agree like, hey, we, we may not necessarily agree on how we like to enjoy the outdoors or how we like to enjoy our public lands. But this but is where we want to enjoy. We just we need to realize that, that we all need important. each other to, right. to enjoy those things because we're right. all working towards just keeping them or having more, basically, like Aaron said. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it does sound like an agenda, so to speak, but it's an agenda that serves both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, and so many that you hear these days, and especially with politics, like there's a very thick oh, red line in the middle, side. and there's so yeah. hard sides there. It's like, hey, you know, we could actually agree on this. Maybe we should stop throwing rocks at each other, <laughs> have a beer, maybe, you know, <laughs> right? whatever. If you take right? anything away from this podcast, know that uh, we should all just have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> and get outside. Yeah. <laughs> get outside, and then when you're not, have a beer. Yeah, <laughs> or do both at the same time. <laughs> yeah, perfect. I'm getting the. I got the uh, note from MC Ryan here that uh, we don't want to get too long winded, but I know we could talk forever about public lands, of course. But Seriously. what do you say we dive into maybe our last calls? We could dive into some last calls. I got. How long are we, Ryan? Where are we at? 
We're at an oh, hour. Hour. You know so. what? We'll just this will be catered more to the people with the longer commute. You know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen. If you're listening to this right now and you're on your way into work, just just pick it back up. You know, on your way back from work, <laughs> if uh, you got a shorter drive. Exactly. Go for it. If you got a really big one, go for it. Well, I don't. Have, I don't have a big one. I was going to jump into maybe some since we are just in the you know wrapping up this this turkey season that you guys had going on. Yeah. I was going to get into some turkey specific tactics, but maybe. You know, maybe we don't have to dive that deep into that, and we can just say, "Hey, do it. watch all these videos," and you'll freaking yeah. Watching the videos will certainly help a ton. I mean, there's you guys talk a lot of like tactics and things. I think like something that. that we didn't mention, but it might just be obvious. But the videos are basically semi live. Like we're hunting, and two three days later, the videos are up, so they're very relevant to the time that we're the time frame that we're in. I guess we just didn't mention that. I wanted to make that clear. Mm-hmm. So it makes the tactics very situational. Yeah. Like we have a hunt and then we go edit it at Starbucks and it's up. Yeah. Within a day or two most of the time on these trips. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, again, I was watching one before you guys came in here and, you know, for example, there's, there's really nice recaps at the end of each one. Like, uh, you shot that one from the brush pile in Alabama and you guys go back and talk about the fact that you were posted up against some trees and your right side was pretty exposed. And you look over, and there's a nice brush pile there, which isn't exactly like maybe your traditional setup. Right. But it had cover from all sides and above if turkeys are coming in kind of on top of mm-hmm. you. And you wind up getting a turkey there. Yep. And, yeah, the walkthrough is super yeah. helpful. Yeah. You guys talk about situational tactics a lot. And, like, could you just expand on that? Because if there's someone out there who's maybe a little new to it or, or unfamiliar, what would be, describe a situation and then a tactic that you'd be able to kind of take from that? Well, every time that you go into the woods, like I mentioned the fence example a while ago, woven wire fence versus a barbed wire fence, a turkey will get hung up at a woven wire fence, whereas he may come through a barbed wire fence, like underneath. He just physically can't get through a woven wire. That's a situation. So when you think about it, like you're calling to a bird, he hangs up at the fence. Why is he hung up there? There's a million different situations. And we, as a hunting community, have constantly preached more of these generalized tactics that do help people, you know, start out and move forward. But after that point, you need to be able to identify the situation and what is going to work best in that case. If you're hunting a gobbler in an open field, for instance, maybe you need to use a decoy there. That's a really general situation. But you get in, like in the videos, we get way, way more specific into that, especially mm-hmm. with, with turkeys, deer, anything. To that exact just, situation. Yeah. Right, right. An, an example is that I think about a lot is like when I was a kid, you'd watch these dudes shooting turkeys off fields and be like, you know, this time of the year, you put the decoy out on the point of the field, and those toms love to strut around. It's like, dude, I'm not hunting fields. Like, I'm right, hunting I'm hill. in the woods. I'm in hills and woods. In hills. So, like, that's that's a situational tactic that's different. It's like we're trying to not be so generalized. We're trying to get really down to specifics of that exact hunt. And that's the reason for the travel or the tour, basically, yes. too, is so we can relate. Like Zach just said, he, he can't relate to a guy setting up on a field. Granted, that works some places, but he just can't relate to it. That's why we like to travel and see what the guys down in Mississippi or Alabama are dealing with because it's a lot different than what we're dealing with up here in Iowa and Wisconsin, like, Stuff that works up here would, would never work down there. And you, you, you have to go down there and experience it and try to do it in order to understand it. Yeah, and that goes even deeper into each individual hunt. Every, yeah. every, there's like, all these crazy. little nuances and details within every single hunt. 
you know, successful or not that happen. And if you explain the situation and what happened, the, the higher the likelihood that that viewer is going to run into that down the road. And they're going to be like, oh, wait a minute. I saw, you know, these guys did this and it worked in that situation. Not just, you know, we should set up a decoy in a field necessarily. And or And a lot of the tactics we should call to a gobbler. we're using are, you know, we had mentors growing up too. You know, like we had people that taught us what they were doing, you know, dads, grandpas, uncles, you know, friends, whatever. And like, you know, we're just taking the little, the things that we've learned over time and as a group yep. and hopefully passing that along. And like we've, like I mentioned earlier, we don't have all the answers. And no, a lot of times it starts out, the videos start out, this is what we think is going to happen. Then it turns into something completely <laughs> different. <laughs> we have a, we have an idea going in that we think might like for whatever reason, this is what's going to work. And if we have to adjust from there, then you see that. But Every video starts out with basically a hypothesis and whether that's true right. or not. If you haven't watched videos, it sounds very high level, very advanced, I think, when, when people are, when we're to an average listener who's just hearing this conversation. But I think that's what really separates you guys from a lot of different shows is this is high level discussion right now that we're having, but somebody could come in and watch, and that's why I would just recommend that people watch the actual episodes because you can see how it starts out, it is very basic. And then you get into those situations and connects those dots and it makes a little bit more yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm, gonna f I'm just gonna fire through a few questions here. Sure. Do it, let's consider, let's consider this our, our last calls. All right, is there, is, there one, is there one thing you think that people overlook, like a, a commonly overlooked thing, you know? In turkey hunting? In turkey hunting. Patience a little bit. And like all of us to a certain degree, like, Sometimes you just got to slow down. Eric and I were talking the other day. Sometimes you got to slow down, relax, and be a little bit more patient. Like, I definitely have a tendency to not do that, and I think it's everybody It's difficult because turkeys are just screaming their head, heads off, and you just deer hunted likely for a couple months, and you sat in a tree stand and had to sit still, and, like, <laughs> you can run and gun on turkeys pretty easy. So mm -hmm. we, we run into, or we run a lot of turkeys over, basically, and that's a, that's a big mistake. Our biggest mistake, I think, that we make is we just get a little too excited sometimes, just like everybody else, I think. Is there any, because you guys have a lot of experience. You guys hunted a lot of birds, killed a lot of birds. Was there one thing that surprised you this year or that you guys learned that you're just like, hmm, didn't know that, didn't think about that before? I'll start with that Probably one. like 40 things, but we'll just keep <laughs> my, my biggest one of the year is just because I grew up hunting small square woodlots for turkeys like mostly dealing with open field turkeys you're decoying them in and doing a little bit of calling but the woodsmanship and just like the scratch walking basically is what we call it in the in the woods in the timber hilly timber just scratching like a turkey making turkey noises and not, listening for not, with a, not with a call but just doing it yourself and making birds that are just over a ridge 60 yards away while you're walking and they can clearly hear you but they think you're just another turkey it's, that that's been pretty cool to me one thing that sticks out to me, just a quick like little little tactic, and then I'll say something a little bit more broad. Looking in trees, like just look up in the morning. Like it starts to get a little daylight. I looked right out of Tom, like 30 yards from us, just sleeping. <laughs> An old man told me, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I don't even remember where I was, what he's like. Problem is nobody looks in trees anymore. And I was like, "What are you even talking about?" And like, <laughs> crazy old man. Like, look up, like, like look up, and and don't panic if you see one. You know, just calm down and and figure it out. You know, that happened a couple times this year where there was birds in the trees right above us. And I think that you know sometimes you just gotta look up. Sounds crazy, but they're you know they don't always gobble on the roost. And if you see one, it makes it a lot easier. And then the other thing that I was gonna say, not every you know every spot is different. 
in some places, some areas, some regions, some counties, you know, every little piece of public land, every little piece of private land, you know, every state is different. You know, they all have a little bit slightly variations, you know, like in there, it's all the same turkey, you know, it's all the same critter. Some places are more pressured. Some places, you know, have different habitats. Some places are, you know, the birds, you know, gobble more. Sometimes they gobble less. Sometimes, you know, the season starts and it's really good. And sometimes the season ends and it's really good. Different areas have different things. And, and try that's a different big thing. tactics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to try other stuff. People get, you know, kind of tunnel vision and they say, well, this is how I killed a turkey 10 years ago. I'm going to continue just to do that. Like, if you really want to be adaptable to the turkeys in your area, to the turkeys in every area, like he's saying, be try a lot of different things. Aaron always says you're basically just throwing spaghetti at the wall till something sticks. And yeah. I think that's a very good way to explain it. Like if something's not working, then you're going to have to try something different. Because if, it, if it's not working the first time, there's a good chance it's not going to work again. At least in the near future. All right. Well, those three really good ones. For a last call, what are you guys, guys going to do with all them turkeys that you got? Munching them down as quick as we can right well, now. We're eating. We, you got you got any big recipes you're trying out or uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty, much, uh, gonna, pretty simple? We're gonna get with Chef Neil this summer and do a bunch of cooking shows at some point. It'll right go on, on the channel, you know, with turkeys and deer and whatever. Right on. So well, that sounds good. Yeah, we'll be we'll be cooking turkey for the next month and then it'll probably be gone. Turkey doesn't last very long. <laughs> You know, we like turkey a lot, yeah. so we eat it. We've but ate a, yeah. good, a good, not a good share. We probably ate about half of them, though, I'd We'll say, be right? out of game oh, yeah. by fall, because when we killed a bunch of deer last fall, a bunch of turkeys this spring, but we'll be out, because that's pretty much we all we We have a big eat. freezer in the in the house, and, or camp, whatever you want to call it, over there. Yeah. And uh, Hopefully not out completely, because we'll need food to travel with mm-hmm. in the fall. Mm-hmm. Right we got to shoot a little bit more, you know? Exactly. <laughs> there you go. Don't start shooting. There go, you go. Go into the fall hungry. A little more incentive. <laughs> We're also <laughs> never against picking up a fresh road kill either. I will say that. <laughs> we definitely Dude, will never pass up that opportunity. Speaking of that and speaking of special conditions, not to keep this going, but I almost created about 20 of those last night on that drive <laughs> yeah. home. Those deer were – dude, I hit the brakes no less than 10 times, uh, yeah, like yeah. hard. So, yeah. Well, if you get one, let us know. We'll probably take it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Awesome, guys. Well, hey, thanks for joining us. It was awesome sharing a camp with you. Eric, it was sweet that you were able to come out and, and visit with uh, your old cronies. And, man, I mean, I know I learned a lot. You know, I've, I've killed my fair share of turkeys, but it was nice to just put the calls away. And, I mean, you guys are next level, some real pros. So definitely suggest anybody who's interested in turkey hunting or whitetail hunting, definitely check out the the, the hunting public. These guys are some... Um, they know their stuff, and they're good dudes, and I think you'll enjoy it. They show it in a very, very good way that's easy to pick up on and watch for a long time. My wife will tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> that's the true, yeah. the true test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. thanks. Appreciate thanks. it. Appreciate it. you having us on. It's fun. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hit that subscribe button so you can always stay up to date on the latest happenings over here at the Vortex Nation podcast. Leave us a review or comment down below. We want to hear what you have to say about the show. Maybe what you like, maybe what you didn't like. So that way we can make these podcasts as good as they can be. Hey, if you were interested in some of the information you heard here too, but you don't want to go all the way back and listen to the whole thing again just to get out one little nugget of information, check out the link in the description because we'll have this in PDF form with uh, pretty much everything that we've talked about. You can also follow us on Instagram at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'll be posting about each episode released 
So that way you can go back, find these things, maybe grab a little nugget of information that you could take with you to the range, out in the field, or uh, maybe to the kitchen if we're talking about some good food. So again, everybody, thanks, and happy hunting and shooting. We appreciate it. Have a good one.